You're listening to the Harbor Worship Center podcast with Pastor Mike Saint. For more information about the Harbor Worship Center, please visit us at harborwc.com. Enjoy today's message. If you'll turn with me to the book of Ruth, I just want to share a quick scripture, if I may, to launch this thing this morning, and then I'll dive right in. And uh, this is not the talk between a husband and wife. This is the talk between a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law. The mother-in-law's name was Naomi. The daughter-in-law's name was Ruth. Um, I'll just to tell you quick, and I need to run on, but uh, there was about a, a fellow by the name of Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi, and they had two sons, Malon and Chilion. They lived in Bethlehem, Judah. Well, a famine happened, so they moved away, and they moved away to Moab. There's a lot of preaching there, but I don't have time to tell you. And while they were in Moab, they intended to stay just a little while, but they stayed 10 years. And while they were there, their, their sons, Malon and Chilion, married two Moabite girls. One was named Orpah, the other was named Ruth. In a little bit of time, Elimelech died in Moab, and then Malon died, and then Chilion died. And so then you had all three women, Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah, and there they are, just these three women. <clears throat> Naomi is homesick for Bethlehem, Judah. These girls lived in Moab, so it's not, it's not a big deal to them, really. But nonetheless, Naomi heard that there was bread back in Judah, which literally is the house of bread. And she said to her girls one day, she says, honey, I'm sorry, but my husband is dead and my boys are dead. Um, let me get a hug and then I'm going to go back home to, to, to my homeland and uh, you, get, you can just stay here. She said, oh, and they said, oh, no, no, no. But, you know, uh, I, w-. and uh, Orpah said, uh, you know, she reached out, she hugged her and said goodbye. But Ruth looked at her and said these words. Ruth 1 and 16, entreat me not to leave or turn back from following after you for wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. And your people will be my people and your God will be my God. You understand Moab was a, a, um, a pagan country. They worshiped other gods. But your people will be my people, your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. And the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me and you, or you and me. Um, I learned a long time ago, Dr. Tim Hill said, in the church world and in marriages, for that matter, you've got kissers and cleavers. You've got those who, um, like Orpah, who kissed her mother-in-law and said, goodbye, see you, sayonara. And she went on back to her family. And then you've got Ruth, although she was of that area, she fell so madly in love with this. I'm not talking about a, a bad relationship, but she really truly loved her mother-in-law. And um, Naomi had said, listen, I'm too old. Even if I had boys now, you guys are, are, are at the age that you could never wait for them. Just stay here. I'm going to go back home. And she says, no, 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 but don't, don't ask me to leave because I'm going where you go. I'm living where you live. Your people's going to be my people. Your God's going to be my God. Where you live, there I'll live. And where you die, there I will die also. And may the Lord do so to me. Now, now I know that Naomi had poured into her life because they didn't believe in the Lord. But may the Lord do so to me and more so if I don't keep this vow between us. Today I want to talk with you about this family circus. You say, now what is this? Let me, let me ask you this. Has life ever seemed like a circus to you? If you've been married more than a week or so, I imagine it has. <laughs> 
When I think about a circus, I think about a number of things. I think about clowns juggling. And I oftentimes just put my face there because it seems like I'm always juggling something. If I don't have something to do, Kelly's got me something to do. If I don't, then my kids have got me something to do. And if I don't, the church has got me something to do. You know, I'm just constantly juggling. I think of clowns. I think of tight ropes. Amen. Walking the wire. Huh? I'll never forget watching Nick uh, Walinda walk across Niagara Falls. Man, I like had a heart attack, you know, uh, watching him do it. I think of tigers being tamed and elephants being tamed and um, people willing to get in there and tame them. Let me just say this. If, if your life is a circus, you better make sure that Jesus is the ringmaster. Amen. And I would submit that our lives are oftentimes a circus. I think of, um, you know, when I think about a circus, I think about somebody standing up against a wall with their arms out and somebody throwing hatchets. You ever thought that about your marriage? That you're, maybe your wife's got you up against the wall, you know, and she's honed up some hatchets and, and one hit right here and another one hit right here and you better be glad you wouldn't turn this way or cut the end of your nose off and then I mean they just sort of outline your body and you ever felt like you were stuck to the wall and somebody was throwing hatchets try pastoring oh I'm sorry <laughs> anyway uh, throwing knives and you know I think of the flying trapeze and all of these things and I think about the human cannonball and the fire eating uh, and fire breathing sword swallowing and all these things and then uh, in my study, I found out the Ringland Brothers, Barnum and Bailey, they, they dubbed their show the greatest show on earth. They hadn't seen some of our marriages. <laughs> hey, I've been called to some rough ones. Are y'all, I've showed up at the middle of the night, all the dishes in the floor, they broke because they threw them at each other. You could hear uh, them discussing things when I turned into the neighborhood. Are y'all hearing me say Amen. I've come up on some pretty wild stuff. I, I've come up and, you know, to talk to people in situations like that that I never heard a foul word out of their mouth until I got to their house at three o'clock in the morning. And then I heard them call each other things I didn't know you could call people those things. Amen. But anyway, we'll go on about that. Um, I got looking through the Bible and I found out that the Bible mentions husbands 19 times. The Bible mentions husband 104 times. The Bible mentions wives 121 times and wife 360 times. I don't know if God thinks more of them than us. I don't know. Some people said he created man and then he put man to sleep, reached in the side, took a rib and said, I can do better than that. Now, I don't know. I don't know that that's what God was doing. I don't know that that's what he was thinking. But Proverbs 18:22, the wisest man in all the world said that whoso has found a wife has found a good thing and has obtained the favor of the Lord. Now, I sometimes question that. Now, <laughs> Amen. Truly, truly God has blessed me with a wonderful wife and he's blessed you with a wonderful wife, wonderful husband. The truth of the matter is that life is sometimes like a circus though. Sometimes it is all topsy-turvy. Sometimes you are walking the tightrope. Sometimes you're the tiger that's being tamed and sometimes you're the tiger that's, or the, the ringleader that's getting pounced on or the tamer that's getting pounced on. Are y'all hearing me say amen? But let me say this. Uh, um, what you really, really got to know 
is that normal's just not normal anymore. Think about this. Normal nowadays is kind of like common sense. I believe both of them are first cousins to Elvis, and they have left the building. <laughs> are y'all with me? Say amen. So, so you got to be in a situation where you can just kind of embrace the fact that normal's definition has changed. Now, I want to tell you something. Over the years, definitions do change because in 1920, if you were gay, you were just happy. Y'all with me? Now, I'm not throwing no stones. I'm just simply saying the definition has changed. So that, that's just how it is. In words, you know, they add words every year to the dictionary. You know that, right? And meanings tend to change. But let me just say this. Um, if you don't understand that normal's not normal, you'll never just really embrace the fact that this is what it is. This is what I've got to work with. You know what? None of us are perfect. My wife often reminds me of that. Uh, yours don't. That we're not perfect. And so, um, so we may as well embrace that that we are. Huh? I was um, getting a haircut the, you know, last night and Kelly said, you know, you're kind of going bald back here. Well, I realized there ain't nothing I can do about it. I might as well go ahead and embrace it and say bald is beautiful, isn't that right, Brother Dan? Huh? There, <laughs> there ain't no sense in me fighting it because that's just how it is. So, but let me say this, we, we, we need to understand that normal is really not normal. We, so we go ahead and just embrace that. And let me just say this, something else you gotta understand is that if you're gonna make it through this circus called marriage, and it's gonna be fun. You know why people go to circus? They wanna go have fun. They go to circus because they wanna, you know, uh, enjoy watching other people take a whole lot of risk. You didn't realize when you got married, you're gonna take some too. But it takes knowledge. Uh, you you got to be educated in this family circus. You got to be educated in this godly marriage and aware of what it's going to take to make this thing work. Because if you're not, you'll find yourself unequally yoked together. Are y'all hearing me? It's bad if a Pentecostal were to marry a Mormon. Are y'all hearing me? Say amen. Now, I love the Mormons. Don't get me wrong. They're just wrong. <laughs> That's my story, and I am sticking to it. So uh, you can, <laughs> you might not be able to hang with me, but that's how I'm, I'm sticking with it. So, uh, but anyway, uh, you see, you cannot be unequally yoked. And you know what will happen is a, a woman that's fell in love with a man, she'll say, oh my goodness, I can change him. And so she'll marry him, thinking she can change him. He's drunk every weekend. Huh? And guess what? When he gets married, he's going to be drunker every weekend. He's going to need a little extra to deal with what all he's taking on. Are y'all hearing me? I'm not saying that's the way it always is, but she'll marry him thinking I can change him. And then sometimes he'll marry her thinking he can change her. And Lord have mercy, we get ourselves in trouble. So the Bible says, hey, let me hook you up. Just don't be unequally yoked together. Huh? Find somebody that you can be equally yoked with. Now, uh, here's the problem with, uh, brothers, let me talk to you for a moment. Here's the problem with women. <laughs> is, is God reached down to the dust of the earth, formed a man and, and breathed into his nostrils and man became a living soul. Then he put, you know, after a, a time, I don't know how long it was, but he said it's not good in Genesis 2 and 24. It's not good for man to be alone. We tend to get in trouble when we're by ourselves. 
It's not good for man to be alone, so he puts him to sleep. He reaches his side, he pulls out a rib, and he creates a woman and fashions her. And he woke us up. And he says, this is what I've made. She come out of you. But Adam said, but you ain't gave me no book, no owner's manual, no instruction. <laughs> Are y'all hearing me? Say amen. I've given her to you, but so since God did not give us any uh, way of knowing what, you know, makes them happy and knowing what, you know, uh, makes them smile, knowing what makes them cry without, you know, and I'm going to really help you out with that next week. Are y'all hearing me? You, you're really going to enjoy that. So, so we don't have any documentation on this thing called woman. So man will never ask for no directions. Y'all know that, huh? I've been going to visit people or go to try to find the business. I'll be lost for 15, 20 minutes and turn into an hour. I know it's right around the next corner. Dead end, huh? Railroad tracks down to the river. Why don't you just call somebody? No, man, you can't. Now, now it's gotten better, brothers. We do have help called GPS because now we ain't got to let anybody know we're lost. Just, you know, tell Google and she'll hook you up and you get on out of there. But see, listen, um, you and I have got to acquire the tools. And I know some of this is comical, but hear me. When we talk about marriage, I'm dead serious. I got 31 years in the war. I mean, in marriage, I got 31 years. Are y'all with me? 31 years. And, and so I've enjoyed most of my time. I've enjoyed it. I really have. And, but, but very few people make even the seven-year mark anymore. Even less, make the 10, 15, 20, 25, or whatever. Hey, uh, let me stop for station identification. Brother Mike Hewlett and his wife, Tammy, are leading the marriage life group, and today's the final time, so get signed up for it. If you're having trouble and you don't understand woman, or you don't understand man, who could, right? Uh, then go ahead and sign up. So I said that to say this. You gotta understand the normal is not normal, and if you don't understand that and embrace it, you're never going to be happy. You're never going to cross all the T's and dot all the I's and get it all right. Let me just say this. Here's some tools you need to acquire to try to make this thing work. Um, some tools for your marriage to complete this marriage. Maybe it's a marriage retreat. Maybe it's just the Holy Bible. When's the last time you sat down and just read it together? When, you know, these are marriage life. That's an investment into your marriage. That says, you know what? I'm going to take this time on Thursday night or Tuesday, whatever night it is, and we're going to do something here. So, you know, you got to buy the tools it's going to take to make the marriage go. If those tools are Bibles and book studies and retreats and this and that, whatever it is, you got to do it. Let me move on. Uh, I need you, if, if you would today, to take a look with me. It's called introspection, where you look into your own marriage, where you look in and then you got to be honest. You got to look in and say, you know, where are we at in our marriage? Is our marriage what it ought to be? Is our marriage what people think it is? Or do we just sort of cohabitate? Do we just sort of coexist? Let me help you with that. In other words, there's some things that we can do and um, I, I call it marital triage. How many of you ever been to the emergency room? Let me see your hand. 
We got some doctors and nurses. You know, the first thing they do, I mean, when you go to the doctor, you don't go straight back there to see the doctor. I mean, very rarely, if you have a heart attack, you might go straight on, you know, or something like that. But outside of that, you're going to go, and a nurse is going to do what they call triage. They're going to take your blood pressure. They're going to weigh you. Uh, they're going to take your temperature, take your pulse rate, going to ask you a few questions, what brings you here today? Uh huh? And so I think that on Valentine's Day, we ought to look at our own marriage, if, we, if we're in trouble especially, and ask ourselves some hard questions. What's kind of the blood pressure of our marriage? What's the pulse rate of our marriage? How are we feeling? See, the doctor will come in and you set up on the, you know, the gurney there and he'll poke and prod. Does this hurt? You say, ah, ah, ah. And he says, uh, uh, hold on. And you oh. Because that's what happens when I'm preaching as well. When I get to somewhere where it kind of hurts, you say, oh, whoa, whoa. Don't go there. Don't tell me about I got to invest in my marriage. Don't tell me about I got to say I love you every day. Don't tell me about I got to buy some roses or a tool or, you know, a skill saw. Uh, I'm just going to leave that and move right on. But uh, where does this hurt? Is this tender and how, how did this happen? You know, that's one of the questions they ask you. You go in there and you got a broke nose. They ask you, how did this happen? And, uh, you know, I was watching TV last night. It was bad. It, right before Valentine's Day, too. I mean, it's a sickening show. Sex sent me to the ER. Y'all, y'all ever seen? Man, it's horrible. Don't watch it. I mean, it's regular TV now. This ain't no foolishness. This ain't nothing I paid for. <laughs> thinking to myself, man, these people are crazy. Are y'all hearing me? I just thought I'd throw that out there just because it's Valentine's Day. I know people will be buying all kinds of stuff when I get home, uh, you know, and looking up these. Anyway, let me give you the vital signs. The vital signs of, of, of your level of happiness with your marriage. Let me show this to you. Let me ask you a question. How often do you argue? Did you know ain't nothing wrong with arguing? I tell people in pre-marriage counsel, I said, there's two kinds of arguing. There's constructive arguing, there's destructive arguing. Constructive arguing is when you're building something up. Destructive is when you're tearing something down. You're either doing one of the two. And then some people act like they're doing the first, which is constructive, when in fact, they're being, um, you know, real critical in a sassy way. Sarcasm is what we call it. Uh, So when is the last time you spent some quality time together? Go ahead and look over into his eyes or her eyes. When was your last date? Uh, when was the last time you sat together in church? Now listen, hey, we got a lot of people that's busy. We got a lot of people that husband works in the church, wife works in the church. They're very, but every now and then you got to just say, you know what? I just need to come sit back in my third row with my love. And listen to what the Lord's going to say through the man of God today. Listen, when's the last time you sat around your table together at home? When's the last time you held hands together or read a devotion together or the Bible together? Listen, uh, how, how often and maybe do you remember when the last time you said the word I love you and meant it? Y'all hear how it's so quiet I can hear the air units running. And the words that, that you, did you hear the word I love you? Are you just trying to tame this tiger? Are you being smacked around by the paw of a lion? Do you feel as though um, you're against the wall and knives are just being thrown at you? Hatchets are being thrown at you? Does the words 
separation, divorce ever enter into your head? Do you, do you entertain those thoughts? Do they ever come, uh, do, do these words come into the thought or the context of your marriage? When's the last time you went to sleep without kissing her goodnight for him? Do you uh, go to bed at night thinking, God, thank you. I sure dodged a bullet today. Mm. I got by one more day. You ever go to bed thinking thoughts like that? Something's wrong. Listen, do you feel as though you spend your days and your nights in a balancing act? That's what uh, I talk about walking the rope. Nick Walinda, man, he's, I don't know how long that bar is, man, but he's, whoo, scary. I'm not talking about tethered and tied off. If he falls, you know, you just sort of, somebody, you know, reels you. No, no, man, you, if you fall, it's over. Have you ever thought that I'm doing the balancing act in my marriage and my wife's over there with a pair of bolt cutters? She's about to cut the rope. <laughs> Hello? If you're feeling that, if you're thinking that there's problems in paradise and you need this family circus, you need this marriage life group. Let me say this is amazing how often we look at the highlight reel of other people's marriage while we compare that to the circus of our own. Let me say it again. We look at the highlight reel of somebody else's marriage. We see all of the good times they had. We see all of the vacations. They Can I tell you something? Right before people get into the parking lot, some of you got cussed out at the corner of Highway 40 in Colerain. I hate to say it like that because I don't want to think these Christian folks going to cuss their wife out or their husband. But man, all of a sudden there's something magical about Harbor Drive. You can be, you sorry, oh, sorry, so turn out. Oh, glory to God. There's the parking lot team. Bless the Lord. Huh? How do you do today, Pastor? Huh? That's how it is. That's reality. And you know, the devil, he will draw all of us. You know, I'm a pastor. And man, there have been a few times, thank God it don't happen often, but there have been a few times over 28 years of ministry, man, we were fighting like cats and dogs and I'm trying to tame the tiger and walk the rope and all that stuff. We get to church, how y'all doing? Y'all ready to worship the Lord? And by faith, I'm believing God's gonna heal my marriage this morning. I know that's just a little too real for some of you, but you got to understand God's concerned about what you're going through and your life might seem like a circus and normal is a long way off. Listen, embrace that. We are unique. Uh, God wants to do something for you. Let me show you how love works. I, I know some of y'all wrote the book on it. I know that y'all know how it really is and all of that, but um, you know, uh, you hopeless romantics say, hey, 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 man, you ain't got to tell me how love works. I'm down with it. But let me explain it to you. And uh, I want to do it by talking about a bank. This bank exists under the tent, the big top called circus. Y'all with me? Family circus. So what I want us to do is pass by the elephant eating peanuts over there and the, the high wire and the tightrope and the trapeze and all of that and the person getting nailed with the knives. And let's go over here to the love bank. And in the love bank, I want to do a little conversation for the next uh, little while. Inside all of us is a love bank with accounts 
for the names of everyone that we know. Everybody that you ever have known in your life has got an account in the love bank. When these people are associated with our good feelings, love units are then deposited into their accounts in our own love bank. And when they are associated with bad feelings, love units are withdrawn. So everybody that you know is part of this love bank within our heart. And when they do something, and let's say Brother Scott brings me a barbecue grill for my birthday, man, love units are deposited into the account. I look up old Scott testing in my life. I say, man, that fella loves me. He bought me a barbecue grill. Huh? Kelly, let's say it's Valentine's Day or Christmas or something. Man, I look and there's a brand new rifle. Whoo, there's some love units going in. Mm-mm-mm. And on the other hand, if I bring her a beautiful diamond ring, oh, hallelujah, there's love units being deposited to the name of Michael Sains in, 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 in that love bank. And everybody you know has got an account in that love bank. That's why you treat some people with disdain. It's because they're overdrawn. <laughs> Let me help you. See, um, We are emotionally attracted to people with positive balances in the bank. Especially you ladies. I'm only teasing. All of us are attracted to people, um, you know, with positive balances. You see, and we are, on the other hand, conversely, we are repulsed by people who are overdrawn, by negative balances. This is the way our emotions encourage us to be with people who seem to treat us well, to be with people uh, who seem to love us and to avoid those who don't like us. This is the way our emotions work. The emotional re- reactions we have toward people whether it's attraction or repulsion, watch this, it's really not a matter of choice. Love bank balances causes them. Let, let, watch this, I'll give you an example. Try choosing to be attracted to someone whom you associate with the worst experience in your life. Try choosing to be attracted to that person who, who, who done you so wrong and is the worst experience in your life. Try to feel attracted to them. Just don't work. You're saying like, you sorry, dog. You know, uh, you know, I don't care what it is. Let me go. It's almost impossible. Or try to feel repulsed. Try to feel repulsed by that person that just wrote you a thousand dollar check and didn't owe you no money. He just said, I just want to tell you, I love you today. It's Valentine's Day. All of a sudden, man, the the love units that got deposited almost blew up your bank. Man, well, whoever his name is, you see, because you're not repulsed by somebody who has a positive balance in the love bank. We like people with positive balances and we dislike people with negative balances. But if an account reaches a certain threshold, watch this now, here's where Valentine's Day come in, y'all. We have to get Alicia Keys back up here. If an account reaches a certain threshold, a very special emotional reaction is triggered when an account reaches and rises above a certain level. Boom! It's called romantic love. Are y'all hearing me? All of a sudden, that balance has come up to the point. I don't know who it was that made that balance. Maybe you just you went to help them in the rain. Maybe you 
bought them roses and chocolates. Maybe they just, you, you just, uh, I mean, all of a sudden your heart just flips when you see them. I don't know what it is, but they've done some things for you and the balances in the love bank has reached and now exceeded this point and all of a sudden it has gone from just, I kind of like you to whoo, you take my breath away. Let me help you. So we no longer simply like the person, we're in love with the person. The feeling of love is the way our emotions encourage us to spend more time with someone who takes especially good care of us. Let me ask you this. Wouldn't it be stupid? Uh, I mean, it would be so abnormal. And I know normal is not really normal, but think about this. Uh, when's the last time you saw people spending uh, just an absorbent amount of time with people they hate? When's the last time you saw people that just really disdained you, disliked you, uh, and said, hey, you want to watch Super Bowl together? <laughs> no. You want to go skiing together? No, they don't do that because you're repulsed by that person. And let me say this is when you get overdrawn with the love units, every time you do something positive, love units are added. Every time you do something negative, they are taken away. Now, I want to tell you something. Now, uh, y'all know how the bank works. The bank in town, you can keep on depositing money, keep on depositing, and then we write checks on that account in order to pay bills. Isn't that right? But if there comes a time when we write more checks to pay more bills than we have in the bank, we'll get a slip of paper a few days later in the mail that says you are overdrawn. You have insufficient funds. That means you have taken out more than you've put in. And in our marriage, I want to ask you, how much have you taken out and how much have you put in? I can still hear the mayor units kicking. You see, we find ourselves, if that, those units reach a certain point to romantic love, we find ourselves not only loving that person, but just craving after that person. We long to be with them. The feeling of love is usually effective, not only in drawing people together for significant amounts of time, but also encouraging them to pop the question and spend the rest of their life together and say things like, don't ask me to leave, but whatever you go through, I'll go through it with you. Wherever you live, that's where I'll live. I don't care where you go. I just want to go. Where you die, that's where I want to die. Who you serve, that's who I want to serve. When the love units get to a certain level, you just say, I just don't care where you go. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to follow you. You see, our emotions give us more than the feeling of love. When they identify someone who makes us happy, they also motivate us to reciprocate by encouraging us to also make that person happy and even deposit more into the love bank. Are y'all hearing me say amen? It's kind of like when you start saving money and you saved a little bit and it was so hard to ever put $20 a week and then you finally done it and now then you got to where you could put 50 and then 100 and all of a sudden you know you used to tap it all the time you know you'd take that money back out and you'd go get this money for that and go get that money but after you finally got you about $1,000 or 2500 you started saying whoo I feel good every time I put a little bit more over there and a little bit more over there and a little bit and likewise in this love bank you say my lord I sure enjoy putting money in that account. You know why? Because it always has benefits. It always comes back to me. It causes us to reciprocate. Hey, when a man and a woman are both in love, their emotions are encouraging them to make that other person happy. In fact, the thought of spending life apart scares them to death. They say, I'd rather die than I would uh, 
be separated from her or from him. You see, in most every case, a man and a woman marry because they're in love. And they're in love because their love bank balances rose above romantic love. And they got all the way, uh, rose above just regular and got into the romantic side. But, but what goes up also can come down. Are y'all hearing me say amen? Um, and it can come crashing down. And there's things that you got to, to do. I want to tell you something, being married 31 years, guess what? There's been some ups and there's been some downs. There's been some good days and bad days. There's been some good times and bad times. Four children, are y'all hearing me say amen? Let me say this. I think... And there are those who say, well, pastor, you know what? I don't go to the doctor unless I'm sick. I feel like it's good for us to go every now and then. You know, I think mine's like two or three times a year. More than I want, but that's what I need to do. That's what Kelly says I got to do. So uh, I go in there not because I'm feeling sick because I hardly ever get sick. But just because he needs to check my blood pressure and my sugar level, see how sweet I am. And he... He needs to do all of these things to check me out because there are those who have never gone and then they finally went and they said, man, you ate up with cancer. Or what? Well, I said that to say this. Why do we wait till our marriage is in trouble to check on it? Why do we wait till she says, I'm leaving, I'm done. You're not who you used to be. Why do we wait till he's got all his bags packed and says, I'm gone? and I'll get the kids and all that stuff. Why don't we wait till then? It's not a sign of weakness to say, you know what, I'm going to a marriage retreat. I'm gonna tell you something, listen to me and I'm gonna try to tie this up right here. Years ago, uh, 10, 12 years ago, uh, we had a marriage retreat at the church. Uh, Brother Tom Parrish and Sister Kathy was leading marriage ministries at that time. and um, We paid way more money than I wanted to to bring this uh, great, uh, fella, Dr. John Vining, that's his name. He's a tremendous counselor. He's out of Cleveland, Tennessee. Uh, had this wonderful book. And uh, he was speaking in two or three other places, but it seemed like we sort of got hooked for most of the expenses of it. But nonetheless, we um, got him here. And we had 10 or 12 couples in that retreat. And you know, I, let me just be honest with you. I said, you know, I got something better to do my weekend. I could be shooting skeet this weekend. I could be riding a motorcycle. I could be doing whatever. I could be doing all kinds of things. And to be honest with you, the only reason I attended the retreat with my wife was to support a church function of a church in which I was the pastor. Anyway, so I said, Kelly, I don't really want to go to the retreat, but uh, you know, I think we need to support the marriage ministries and whatever. And so uh, at that time, we'd been married 20 years, maybe. I went, I sat, and I listened as Dr. John Vining began to talk. And uh, it was a Friday and a Saturday. It wasn't just like one day, it was both days. And I'll never forget, he, he said, I want you to write some things down. And I use his book today in marriage counseling, Intimate Encounters. I, I use it right on. And because every, every couple, every person has 10 
intimacy needs of which the top three matter the most. Kelly and I, how, somehow, she guessed my top three, I guessed her top three. Unheard of, he said, but nonetheless, we've done it. Well, then he got to a certain point in the marriage deal, and you know, I'm still kind of thinking, why did I come, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, I want you to take a moment, and I want you to write something on a piece of paper that you've never told anybody. Husbands, you do it. Wives, you do it. And then we're going to spend the next 10 minutes or so, and you're just going to share with each other in your own little circle what I wrote, and she's going to share what she wrote. I'm thinking, okay, no big deal. I said things like, I apologize. You know, we've been in the ministry 20 years now, or, or 18, as I think it was, and I said, I, I really thought we'd be further up the road than what we are. Things are sure moving a whole lot slower than I've had, you know, had it planned out, et cetera, et cetera. And that's kind of what I wrote. And then I read hers and started to cry. Her daddy was uh, 52 or three when she was born on up in his years and she wrote never one time did my dad ever tell me he loved me all my life not one time did he ever say I love you and all of a sudden everything I had sort of because I grew up with love I grew up with a dad to get down on the floor and play with you and I, I mean he was busy but when he was there he was there and loved on us and I got thinking to myself wow I disdained coming to the marriage retreat because I could have been shooting skeet or I could have been doing this or could have been doing that but that opened up some thoughts and some ideas and some processes I thought to myself it was kind of a V8 moment for me I said all of a sudden now I can understand a lot more things for a little girl that is never told by her father I love you not one time and now he's gone he died while I was in boot camp in 1985. Don't wait till it's too late to do a checkup on your marriage. I want you to stand with me if you will. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, my life and my marriage really is it really is a circus, and I really need God to touch me today. Can you just lift your hand? Come on, just take a moment, raise them up. Let me just look around. Nobody else is out there. It's just me and you. I see a number of hands. Thank you. I want to take a moment and pray for you right now, if I may. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to pray for every hand that went up just now. Lord, I'm asking you right now, would you touch them and their marriage? May they, in their own way, go back to the vows and renew them afresh and anew. Would they go back to the time where they say, I love you for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health and to cherish till death do us part. Lord, in the good times and the bad times and when we have money and when we don't and when we have luxuries and when we don't and when things are going good and when they're not, 
us to be like Paul said, Lord, I've learned to abound and I've learned to be abased. I've learned with whatsoever state I am in therewith to be content. Lord, I pray that they would put you first in their marriage. Lord, because if those love bank balances drop below romantic love, they will lose the feeling of passion that they had for each other. What used to come effortlessly now becomes awkward and even repulsive. Instead of a look of love, they will have a look of disdain and apathy. And without love, a husband and a wife will no longer want to spend their time together, their lives together, their ministry together. And instead, they'll start thinking of the dreaded words of separating, divorcing, custody, and they will be torn apart. So Lord, undergird them right now in the name of Jesus. Couples all across this building, would you just join your hands together right now? Would you just embrace one another and take just a moment and pray for one another? And if you need the help of the church, then I implore you to join the Marriage Life Group. I implore you to, to reach out and say, Lord, help me too late. In Jesus' name, I give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at harborwc.com.